I'm Avery Arden of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. but I am pretty darn exhausted right now. It's been really hard to hold on to any hope for my country, for all of humanity, or for this whole beautiful planet. While I am doing my best to pay attention to everything that's going on, when it comes to taking action, I've been trying to keep my focus small so I don't get so overwhelmed. Each of us alone can only do so much. So what can I do? with the gifts and presence I have to resist Christian supremacy, militarism and nationalism, white supremacy, cis-heteronormativity, and on and on. For me, largely focusing on my corner of Christianity makes the most sense. I have to believe that challenging any beliefs or behaviors on a smaller scale that can and do lead to horrific violence and even fascism on larger scales can make a difference. Listening back to the conversation I had some time ago with Reverend Chrissy brought me some encouragement that yes, the small-scale actions do interweave into something bigger, something meaningful. We are all called especially if we are white, especially if we are Christian, especially if we belong to any demographics that are currently amassing power with which to do great harm, to fight bigotry in whatever ways we can. I think that the following bonus clip from my larger conversation with Chrissy, listen to the rest of it back in episode 54, Coming Back to Life, includes little nuggets of wisdom for folks who want to make their faith communities more inclusive and get them active in the fight for justice for all. Chrissy reminds us that when we commune together in faith, liberation is the goal. Faith without works really is dead. In this episode, Chrissy also offers insight into how the body of Christ will continue to be alive and well, even if and when corrupt institutions are dismantled. We can and must abolish Christendom, uproot Christian supremacy, tear down every church that loves power more than liberation. And when we've done all that, Christ will live on. It helped me to hear Reverend Chrissy speak on what a deinstitutionalized church would look like. I hope it gets you thinking too. A little bit about Chrissy before we dive in, in case you didn't hear the previous episode or just need a reminder. Chrissy is an ordained United Church of Christ pastor who lives in St. Louis, Missouri. They are the pastor of a small, very active, queer-affirming congregation, and they are also a chaplain at a children's home with a lot of traumatized kids. So that's the context for where Chrissy is coming from in our following conversation. Let's go. I keep pushing my congregation to think differently about membership and belonging. Uh 
you know, we, we don't have very many fences in the UCC. We don't have very many things we consider essential, mm -hmm. but we're pretty strongly Trinitarian and I'm kind of pushing them to say, you know what? If a person can say they believe in not more than one God, they probably are welcome to be part of us, which I borrowed that from a, a dear friend of mine who's a uh, reformed rabbi who says the Jewish people believe in not more than one God, right? Yes. Yeah. So we've got people out there who are struggling with the concept of a God, Yeah. right? Maybe because of what they've been through, maybe because of church hurt, maybe because, you know, whatever it is but they're into Jesus, right? They're attracted mm -hmm. to the life and the teaching of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why should they not be welcome? Mm -hmm. Not only, you know, come and be fed, but also to like, we have this concept of the full life and leadership of the church, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that should be accessible to a person who's maybe not quite ready to say, yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Shoot, some days I struggle with that. Sure, yeah. Especially yeah. the Father bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe let me say Mother God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christ and Holy Spirit. Change up the language a bit. Spice it up. <laughs> and, and we do that. And there was a, a piece, I can't remember if it was yours or if it was somebody else's, about... Um, Pastors who, who say just God instead of messing with pronouns. Yeah, yeah. And I've been playing with the pronouns. Fun. Um, giving them some thems and some she's. And mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's important, you know. Mm -hmm. To help people sort of expand their image of God. But I really like what you say about welcoming people in, even if they are not sure why they're there about like what what exactly is um attracting them to this jesus guy like like they're one they're more likely to like learn more right in community and they also really can they can they have sort of lessons to teach too like the fact that jesus is yeah there's things about jesus that resonates even with people who don't believe that he is part of god right that he's the son of god or whatever like that's cool that that makes me happy <laughs> yes and it should yeah and it should and i think about jesus you know the disciples come and they say hey jesus there's this guy casting out demons in your name and he's not one of us and jesus is like dudes <laughs> if he's not against us he's with us yeah yeah which takes us right back to the whole we're in this for the liberation folks mm-hmm the fact that this guy was going around liberating people and Jesus recognized that as, yes, he's one of us. Right. Yeah. Right. Because of the liberation. Yeah. Because of the freedom. Yeah. If we're not setting people free from the things that have them bound, our faith might as well be dead. Yeah. The fruit is good. It doesn't like it doesn't matter if you're doing those good works as a Christian or an atheist or a Muslim or what. Right. That that fruit is good. It's that abundant life. Yes. Come back to that. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yes. Amen. You want to know why people are leaving the church? Because we keep drawing lines. Because we keep cutting people out. And that's not okay. Right. Yeah, a lot of times it's not that people are leaving the church. It's that they're being pushed out. Or told that, yeah, if they're going to stay, they need to accept that. Parts of them are going to be hacked off. 
Yeah. And and they say no, and they leave, and good for them. Right? <laughs> Ask young people why they don't want anything to do with church, because churches hurt people they care about. Yeah. And as long as that's going on, the institution is going to die. Now, I'm not about the institution, right? <laughs> right, me neither. <laughs> I mean, there, there, are, there are things the institution provides for me, like health insurance for my family. Right, right? yeah. But as long as people are loving one another, loving God, and doing their best to follow Jesus, the movement will go on, yeah. with or without the institution. Amen. And in fact— the, the president of my denomination is actually anti-institution. Mm. He'd like he'd like to do away with church as we know it now and see the birth of something new. Yeah, which is fine with me as long <laughs> as long as I'm able to feed myself and provide health insurance for my family. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh yeah, just the complicated relationship with the institutional church. Like like you're saying like. Ministers deserve to have something that allows them to maintain a, like their their own lives or their family. Um, so institutions are in some ways necessary. There's also, I do think it's important to have some sort of like what it, like checks and balances, like churches that are independent and therefore there's one person in charge who makes all the rules and can do whatever they want. That doesn't often go very well. Yeah, in uh, in Terry Pratchett's. Discworld, uh -huh. the the Tiffany Aching books, We Free Men, Hat Full of Sky, and The Winter Smith, the witches, uh, who are the closest thing on the disc to the work that we do, mm. uh, the witches get together every so often to check on each other, mm. because left on their own, you know, with sort of unlimited power, they can get to cackling, <laughs> which basically means you know, getting full of their own authority and their own power and doing damage, mm -hmm. which is which is absolutely what Lone Ranger pastors do. Yes. Yeah. And so absolutely having accountability, you know, we, we have what we call communities of practice, which are groups of pastors that get together every month and check on each other nice. and make sure we're not getting to cackling. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. You know, and we can do that without, you know, sort of the the institutional structure. Part of the problem, you know, people ask, well, how did Christianity get to be the mess that it is? Mm -hmm. um, blame, blame, first blame Constantine. Yep. Yeah. Who co-opted church for the project of empire. Yeah. Yeah. The, the same empire that killed Jesus. It's wild. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know. Look at the things that the early church borrowed from the culture around them mm -hmm. and the structure, particularly of the Roman church, but that many of us have borrowed mm -hmm. deacons and elders and bishops. Mm -hmm. So many of these things are borrowed from Roman social clubs. Oh. And you want to know why so many American churches act like country clubs? <laughs> it's because their structure is borrowed from a country club. Wow. It's it's borrowed from an old boys club back in Rome. And in some ways, we need to reform and rebuild the structure. And in UCC, we're ahead of the curve. We don't have bishops. Um, my conference minister is my colleague, not my boss, unless I screw up, you know, <laughs> And get called for the committee on ministry, and then the conference minister is very well my boss. But yeah, yeah. and we're called and not sent. You know, I'm not here at the whim of the bishop. I'm here 
um, at the call of the congregation. Right. But in other ways, we still very much have that social club structure with membership and sometimes levels of membership. Right. Anyway. Ugh, and that's always the part, like, one of the main reasons I'm, I sort of, like, I started seminary with the idea that I was called to be a pastor, and then over the course of seminary, I realized, I don't think I am called to that, because, and a lot of it is that the the institutional stuff is just, I can't wrap my head around it. Like, as a pastor, you can't just do the more, like, ministry part of ministry. You also have to go to all these session meetings and and, and help keep the lights on at your church, and it's just yeah. so complicated. I can't... Remind me, are you are you Anglican? Episcopalian? No, I'm Presbyterian. <laughs> Presbyterian, okay. Yeah, P- yeah, PCUSA. Um, Decent and in good order. Yeah, I know, right? It's a, it's a very institutional, very, um, there's a lot of, like, government structure. Um, but that's a good reformed denomination, and, and, mm-hmm. uh... The, the always reforming thing is uh, definitely a core part of it, which I appreciate. Yep. Though it is frustrating having to be like, oh, I'm Presbyterian, but the good kind, I promise. <laughs> right. Because my wife grew up PCA, which is one of the more very conservative, only, oh, yes. only men can be pastors type yep. type church. Um, so that's what she grew up in. So for her, it's a very much a big thing of like, I'm Presbyterian, but, but not that kind. <laughs> Remind our listeners of why PCA and PCUSA split in the first place. Is that... There was one big split um, over slavery versus abolition. Yeah. Yeah. And and then later on, a big split about things like women being pastors and LGBT stuff. Yeah. There's been a lot of splits. Oh, yeah. In, in all, all parts of the Protestant world, yes. Yes, yeah. But yeah, I think that the, the slavery thing in particular, there's so much of our, like, things that people a lot of Christians just assume is just like a natural part of like Christian theology, um, like fundamentalism, like literalist readings of the Bible that really only came about because slaveholders wanted an excuse to enslave other human beings. Right. Um, and justify it. And yeah. when, once you learn that, it, it always, it kind of startles me when people learn that and still hold to those theologies. Like, oh. If if the fruits of the theology is bad, it's not good theology. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the de- uh, sort of domination language that gets used, a lot of the submission of women's stuff is really wrapped up with the whole project of slavery in, in yes. the, the Americas. And yeah, it's just icky, icky. Yeah. I was... Talking about Genesis and God giving us responsibility for creation, mm-hmm. and somebody said, I thought it was dominion. I said, yeah, look at where that particular translation came from. You've got a translation commissioned by a king. Of mm. course, there's going to be dominion and domination language. Yes. <laughs> All translation is choice. Yes. And if you look at the choices that are made, it's like everything else. Follow the money. Yeah. Who's profiting from this choice? Yeah. What kind of actions does a certain translation justify? Right. S- such as, yeah, controlling other people, controlling our planet's resources. 
and it's so it's so complicated like trying to help people especially people who don't have the time or the money or whatnot to go to seminary to learn all this trying to find resources to help them if you have any you want to send them my way (laughs) like anything you know of that's really helpful for for teaching people this stuff i i have access to some um that are not specifically about queer issues or gender issues, um, but like, so I grew I grew up in in sort of the radical part of the Methodist Church, mm-hmm. um, but in Iowa. So the focus, you know, there is on farm worker justice, labor justice kind of stuff. Uh, and so yeah. I have all these resources from from when my dad was the pastor and I was just a kid uh, that are about, you know, well, the whole Old Testament is a land use document. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. well, and what is what does land justice look like? Well, it looks like not having your debts take your land from you so that you can't feed your family. That's what the Jubilee is all about, right? Right. And, and it's about making sure that it's not just the people that have money that have something to eat. So you don't harvest all the way to the edge of your field and you don't beat your olive trees twice and you don't go back and pick over the grapes a second time. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's widows and orphans that don't have land that are going to need something to eat. Yeah. Amen. And immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like like you said like even though that's not queer specific, it's all interrelated to Right. Justice for one is justice for all marginalized groups so and i mean there's queer farmers so there are absolutely oh yeah we were talking earlier about butch lesbians did you see that thing last year or was it two years ago now time's weird right now i know and my relationship with time was not great anyway (laughs) so it's just worse yes but there was a thing um some republican senator was all upset and worried that lesbian farmers are taking over the (laughs) south good (laughs) Go, girls! Yes, amen. (laughs) Many thanks to all of y'all for listening. Remember, if you want to hear more from Chrissy, listen to the rest of our conversation back in episode 54, Coming Back to Life. Reverend Chrissy is a politically queer UCC pastor. I think that's it for now. Oh, I did want to mention that I've started an account on Medium where I'm going to be posting articles about various topics related to queerness and faith. What's up there so far is a long piece surveying suicidal ideation in the Christian Bible in which I emphasize God's compassion for those of us who experience suicidal thoughts as well as the communal responsibility to work towards suicide prevention. The only other article up there so far delves into issues with love the sinner, hate the sin type rhetoric, and how calling the divine gift of queerness a sin is the real sin going on. So I'll provide a link to my Medium account in the episode notes. Follow me there if you want to be alerted whenever I post a new article. Other than that, I just want to say... If you are struggling right now with your own personal stuff or with how overwhelming things are on a global scale right now, I'm right there with you. Please reach out to someone you trust or to a professional. You don't need to go through this alone. And please take the time to rest and renew yourself. 
and know that even the smallest actions, even if it's just being kind to the cashier at the grocery store, really do matter. Things are not hopeless because people are out there fighting for what is right. It's not all up to one of us, it's up to all of us together. Together, we can all break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with our lives. 